0: Good morning, Identity Church. I'm going to go ahead and get us started. I know that um, we still got the coffee crew out there, which is perfectly fine. This morning, I wanted to talk to you guys after coming off of our prayer uh, sermon that we've been doing. We did like four weeks of, of what prayer was. And then we did three weeks of baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And you know, the Lord just kept putting on my heart that I needed to do a love message. And the reason for that is because everything we do in the Father is done through love. In fact, we even talked about this the last time that we were together. That 1 Corinthians chapter... Uh, 12 is all of the gifts that God has for us. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter. And you may be thinking, well, why in the world did, did he talk about the gifts? Then he talked about love. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he talks about the, how to the prophecies and everything else, but how we work with him. In the prayer language. And the reason is, is because in 1 Corinthians 13, he says that you can work in all of the gifts, but if you don't have love, then you're just a tinkling cymbal and a banging gong. Do you know that that in my life I've seen plenty of ministers that they that they have powerful messages, they have powerful moves of God but I don't see them walking in love very much. And to some people, it turns them off. And the reason is, is because we only work by love with each other. Like, authority is great. If I have authority and I can just, you know, at work, I, I, I have five people that work for me. And it's really good to be able to say, hey, really quick, I need you to go do something. But do you know that if that's all that I ever do with my employees, then they're gonna hate me. They're gonna think you're a micromanaging, sorry, good for nothing. But if I have love, if I have relationship with them, then guess what's gonna happen? They're gonna do for me without me even asking. You know, pull in that card of, hey, I've got all authority, go and do. You can only use it a few times without it just completely wrecking a relationship. You know that's the reason why God Himself does not impede upon people that doesn't want it. Because if God Himself was to come down here and to change everybody's mind, well, there would be some people that would that would get in line. They'd be scared. They would they would say, "Oh, God's powerful and He's He's." and all authority which is all true but do you know that God wants relationship over the things of authority so what we're going to talk about this week and we're going to begin this series I know my friend um, Jason Gamble evangelist Jason Gamble he will be here next week to talk but we're going to kind of play in this love area for the next few weeks but And dad's going to know where I'm going with this because this week I had a friend that was needing a car. And so I was giving dad's information to this friend and I was letting dad know that, hey, he's going to be calling you. And, And just like in every fashion, when me and dad text with each other, I tell him, I love you. Well, in one-upsmanship, Dad doesn't come back with, I love you too. He comes back and says, I love you more. (laughs) Oh, okay. So now, in like fashion, I've got to come back with something better, right? So this is what I come back with. I love you this much. And for those that are just listening by the podcast, it's the abominable snowman... And it says, I love you this much with his arms out. Dad proceeds to to give us this message this morning. Dad said, is this what tough love looks like? (laughs) And I stood there. I I, I was actually standing beside my car (laughs) about to get in it. And the Holy Spirit dropped this on the inside of me. Yes, and tough love is the only love that lasts. Now, I'm going to tell you straight up. When the Holy Spirit told me this, I was sitting there going, "Tough love sounds like, you know, I hit a baseball into a window and you got to pay for it. Hey, you you messed up and you you got arrested, you got to go to jail. I'm not going to bail you out." That's what I've always heard of tough love. But the Holy Spirit said, "No, no. Tough love is so much more. Tough love is beyond what you've ever heard about it. See. I can love somebody. Like if my my son's sitting over here. If he does something wrong. I can sit there and say. There is a consequence for your action. But that is not love. Okay. There's consequences for your action. But that is not. What I'm wanting to project. To people. Is that. Love is a consequence of your actions. No, no, no. Love is a choice. And we're going to go through this just right quick. Some of you may have heard me speak on this before. Some of you may have not. But I just want to go through this really quickly because I think this is going to be the scripture, John 15, 12 through 17, that is going to be the sort of the hallmark for our love series that we're going to do. And in John chapter 15 verse 12 it says this is my commandment that you love this word love is agape see you, in the greek language they didn't have a word called love they had the word agape they had phileo and eros and they had one other and i can't think of it right off the top of my head but it's not in the bible so we're not even going to go there but eros was the sort of the the lustful love if you will I saw my wife one time, and I was like, whoa, baby. That was Eros, right? But see, then I've seen my friends, and I go, hey, that's phileo type of love. That's my brother. That's my brother. I I, I love him as a brother. But then you have agape, and most people call agape the God kind of love. (coughs) Excuse me. The God kind of love is a love that is for choosing when you don't want to be chosen. In fact, the agape kind of love uh, in the Greek, and I've got kind of a a thing down here that love is a choice, it actually says that it's a love feast. It denotes going to a feast where there is a, a smorgasbord you ever heard the word smorgasbord? I just like the, I think the, the name is funny. I like it. Okay? Probably some of you, the New York crowd, probably used it a lot. You know, especially, it's, a, it's the, the smorgasbord, right? But, you know, I, I just, I look at it from the perspective that love is a choice. And if love in this agape kind of love is the God kind of love, that means that he could have chosen anybody and he chose you. See, that's how the God kind of love works. Is that if I choose somebody that I'm not choosing them because I like them. I'm not phileo in this person. Hey, I think you're a really cool dude. I want to be like you. It means I choose you no matter what. I choose you I choose you because you just need to be chosen. So it says here, this is my commandment in John chapter 15, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down one's life for a friend. You are my friends if you do what I've commanded you. No longer do I call you servants, but a servant does not know his master and what he does. But I have called you friends for the things that I heard from my Father I have made known unto you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that, that this, your fruit should remain. Whatever you have asked of the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I have commanded that your agape love, your choosing love, for one another, that it abounds. See, what I want you to understand is, is that the kind of love that God decided to love us with was not a love of saying, oh, look at all of my servants down on earth. They just, they reverence me and they're just worshiping me, so I'm going to go and give them the opportunity to be in front of them. There was nobody on the earth that wanted God around. You know, Adam and Eve, when they fell, they were hiding from God. God still showed up. God still told them, hey, I'm going to make a way for you because I choose you. Have you ever been chosen by somebody and you don't know why they've chose you? I'm going to tell you what, I mean, me and my wife, I can sit here and go, hey, I probably wasn't the greatest catch. There was probably way more people. And you sit there and go, well, why me? Well, I'm going to tell you exactly the the thing that happened with God was he was looking at a bunch of people that did not want him, and he decided to choose them anyway. Now, I'm going to tell you, you may be sitting here today, and you may be thinking, Hey, I love God. I choose God. That wasn't always the case. How many people's done something wrong? After you did something wrong, did you go and say, I'm looking for God now? No. Everybody's looking to, hey, I don't want anybody to see me. I want to kind of stay in my own little corner. And I don't want anybody to have anything to do with me. But see, the thing is, is that God says that that's when I choose you the most. Is when I know you, I want you to know me. And see, this is one of the great benefits of choosing someone, is that God chose us. He picked you, and he did it because Jesus chose us for the benefit of growing fruit in us. And we choose others to grow fruit in them. See, that's the, that's the great thing of life is that we live a life of relationship. If you're not living a life of relationship with people, then you're probably pretty lonely. And there's going to be some people you're like, I've got a relationship with this person and it doesn't even feel like that they're reciprocating. Have you ever, you ever felt like that you've had a couple of those relationships? It's like, it's like hey, we don't jive together. We, we don't have... We don't have that back and forth. They don't like the same thing that I do, so maybe I shouldn't go hang out with them. Well, guess what? That's, that has nothing to do with love. Love has nothing to do with whether you like something that they do, whether you, you have the same interests, the same, interest, same tastes. I'm going to tell you what. Jason Gamble, the, the evangelist, He rides motorcycles all the time. I don't think I've, I mean, it's been, I don't know, 25 years since I've rode a motorcycle. This man goes out and witnesses in the streets. He loves to go and do hunting and and fishing and all this other stuff. I don't do those things. In fact, most of the time, I'm spending most of my time on a computer or I'm playing a guitar. Do you know that your life Without choosing people to love them, not based upon your likes or your dislikes, will enrich your life. See, it builds fruit in them to choose them. But when they choose you back, you get the same amount of fruit coming back to you. You get to eat of their fruit. and You get to know about them. Love is choosing people when they did not choose you. So we're going to kind of go, I want that to be the basis of our understanding of what tough love is. Tough love is saying, I don't have to like you, I'm just going to choose you anyway. That is what tough love is in one sentence. So I'm going to talk about moral equivalency for a second. This is something that happens a lot in our society right now. And you may be going, Dusty, what is moral equivalency? Well, I'm going to tell you what moral equivalency is. Moral equivalency is a fallacy that when people go and they tell, they'll say, well, your sin and my sin are the same. What you do and what I do are the same. And what happens is, is usually they're trying to, they're trying to say, you have no argument. And the thing I'm trying to say to you is that because apples and oranges are not the same, let me just give you an example. Moral equivalency would be the uh, sort of a simple example, would be you know, cats and dogs have four paws and one tail, so they must be the same. Well, they're not. Cats and dogs are two different species altogether, and they act completely different too. But see, I want you to understand that in life, if somebody says that if you speak a truth, then you speak condemnation. And that is the same thing. Condemnation and truth are the same thing. And that is, that is a moral equivalency fallacy. And I'm going to show you some of the reasons why that is. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, this word This word is agape. He chose us that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many people's heard that scripture, written it down? You've told somebody that scripture. How many people have ever told anybody about verse 17? I'm trying, I have a little bit because now I know what verse 17 says, right? But see, verse 17 comes in and says, "For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world that He might be saved." See, I want you to understand that God didn't just love us, but He came to save us from a condemning world. See, if you're not saved, you're already condemned. Now, I'm, I know that, that may be a wrinkle in some people's brain. That might not be a wrinkle in others. But ever since Adam and Eve, the world has been condemned. Ever since Adam and Eve, the world has had all of these problems. And Jesus says that I came to give you life beyond the things that are happening in this particular world. Now, you may be saying to yourself, well, I don't know if I've ever experienced that kind of life. Well, there's a reason why you might not have. And it's because we tend to either live in one world or the other. And it's called the spirit or the flesh. In fact, Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, Therefore is no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Now, I've read that scripture all my life, and one of the things that I will tell you that I've taken away from it in the last few years is that when I am completely fleshly, have you ever been completely fleshly? I have. You see something that makes you mad. You turn on the TV, or most people turn on YouTube, or, or you know TikTok, or whatever it is, and they go and they see something and it makes them mad. Well, they live after the flesh completely and see if I'm constantly worried about all the things that are in the flesh then guess what there's a condemning spirit there's a condemning thing that is happening in the flesh You know that you can go and watch some of these things. You can be completely saved. You can believe in Jesus, everything. And then you go and you watch something and you think, oh, the world is ending right now. Oh, my gosh. Go look at the Russian-Ukraine thing. Go look at, you know, what's happening in our society. Well, you know what? If you come back and you look through the flesh eyes and you start saying, the fleshly things, they will condemn you every single time because this world since Adam and Eve has been programmed to condemn us. See, Jesus came to do away with the condemnation. That's why he gave us the flesh side. There's a reason why I spent so many, like so many weeks, see if I can get it out of here, speaking on the bubble level. That on one side of our solical realm, we can either be in the spirit, the thing that has been totally recreated. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we've become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, all the old things have passed away. We have a new thing. But see, what I want you to understand is, is that if I was to take my solical realm as a Christian... My bubble can go towards the flesh and I can, I can fixate on it. And I can be so condemned by the things that are going on in the world that I don't think about anything else. But see, what I want you to understand is, is that Jesus didn't come to condemn us. In fact, He came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. So if we walk after the flesh, whenever I hear the bad thing that's coming in the world... If I turn around and I say, Jesus, what is going on? Should I be worried about this? You know what? First thing we should find out is that if it's Jesus, He's not condemning us. If there's a spirit that comes and says, Hey, yep, you're condemned. It's all over. You know, if I use the word damn in here, And I don't mean the thing that holds back water. All it is is a concatenated word for condemnation. It means, for the most part, that somebody has said, hey, you're going to hell. You know, I always like the term going to hell in a handbasket. Have you ever heard of that? Well, you know, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. It has been ever since Adam and Eve. And see, what we have to understand is that Jesus came to get us out of the handbasket. I'm going to tell you what, there should have been some amens right there. Because if you are keeping your mind, your will, and your emotions on the world, you're always going to be condemned. You're always going to think, I live in the worst hell that's ever that's ever been. And you can't even open your eyes and see the green and the beauty and the wonder of all the things that are going on that God is giving you in your life. See, this is a battlefield that's in the mind. It's not out here in the world. People are creating all of this stuff because their minds are fixated on the condemnation. And they're trying to fight against it. They're trying to fight against the truth that is in God's word that is going to set us free. What I wanted to do is I wanted to show you the difference and the reason why moral equivalencies with truth and with condemnation doesn't work. So on the left over here, I've got truth slash the spirit. So consequences of your actions lead to good or bad experiences in life and in body. That is truth. I can do good things. Hey, the last few weeks, I've lost a few pounds because I've been eating better. I've seen my body change. There's some good experiences, right? But previous to that, I ate everything that I saw. I had that whole seafood diet, right? I saw the food and I ate it. Well, I bloomed out. Do you know that, that that's just one piece? Do You know, I have a friend of mine. Well, he's passed now. But he called me up and this friend of mine, he was, uh, he was almost going to be one of my business, he was going to be a business partner with me at one point, but he calls me up and he said, I have a cocaine problem. And I said, man, you got a cocaine problem. And I didn't know what, I mean, I, I wasn't expecting it. He usually called me up. We would like rag on each other and just have a good time. He calls me up and he tells me, hey, I got this cocaine problem. And so I met with him and had lunch. And I said, man, I'm going to pray for you. I said, but do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And he says, at one point in time, I think I did, but I I don't know him now. So I prayed for him. We prayed the sinner's prayer. He went and checked himself in that day into a rehab facility. He got out of the rehab facility like eight weeks later. I went, I went to lunch with him two days after that. He was on fire. The man was ready to take on the world. You know, and I, I told him, I, by, just by praying for him, I just knew, I said... You've got to completely take yourself out of all of those situations that you've had yourself into that caused this problem to start. And he says, yeah, man, I know, I know. I'm going I'm to walk the straight and narrow as what he told me. Well, that went on for about three weeks. And I told him, I said, man, I said, you went in at rehab, I said, but if you fall back out of this, I said, there's nothing but death in your future. And he said, I know, I know. Well, you know what? Three or four weeks later, people called him up that he knew. And the man had been clean for like 12 weeks. Well, they, they gave him cocaine. And he died that night. See, the truth when you're being led by the Spirit of God, the truth is to tell that person, if you take cocaine, you're going to die. That's the, that's the outcome of your life is that eventually you're going to hit the wrong time. Your body's going to give up on you. Something's going to happen. Do you know what? I, I was devastated for... For quite some time because I saw this man change and I'm going to tell you what I was so I was so beside myself and I asked the Lord I was so mad I was like Lord why and he goes because the voices of truth didn't win out when it needed to win out you know that that it is perfectly fine if there's a If there's a hole over there and I don't have time to explain to you that if my son was walking over there to that hole and I screamed at Caleb and I was like, Caleb, stop right now. Some people would say, well, that's rude. Why would you talk to your son that way? I'm trying to save his life. Sometimes I can't explain everything in life. See, sometimes truth comes comes across as harsh. But you know what, if we'll heed the truth, then we will find out the reasons for that truth. I remember um, a few years ago, we were, I was having, we had this issue (laughs) uh, at work. And if people clicked on a certain thing, it would cause their computer to lock up and it would erase everything. Well, it was targeting some of our upper-ups. And one of my managers sent out a very abrupt email because some of the other upper-ups was clicking on this thing because it it was addressed to them and it had uh, this piece of software, it was a malware that was attacking their PC. And it was actually stealing data off of it. And so this manager just sent out a... Until further notice, until I tell you so, do not do anything else on your company computer. Well, you know what? Some people were like, okay, I'm not going to do that. You know, there were some people that was like, well, that, that made me feel like, what kind of authority do you have to go and tell me not to do that? Well, they clicked on the thing. And their computer was completely destroyed. Now, I'm just going to tell you straight up. Truth, when there's time, needs an explanation. Truth, when there's time, needs to be walked out. But you don't always have time to know what the truth is. You know, in our fast-paced society, where we're moving so quickly... Do you know that there are times where people are pushing you to make decisions and they're pushing you to do something and the Holy Spirit is trying to get you the right answer? And you may have somebody come across your path that is going to help you with that answer like we talked about last week with the gifts of the Spirit where they may have a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom to be able to give you and you walk away from that and go, I just don't understand why they would say that to me. Well, guess what? you're gonna have to you're gonna have to sometimes grow up and say, "Am I willing to listen to truth, especially if it lines up with the Word of God? Now if somebody comes up and tells you something crazy don't don't take that, but I'm talking about truth. I'm talking about absolute truth that you know is truth. See, most of the times in our flesh, we're like, well, no one gets to tell me what to do. Well, guess what? Your experience is gonna end up leading, is gonna end up leading to a circumstance. And you know what? Even if you make bad decisions or somebody doesn't listen to the truth, I want you to understand that your circumstances or what happens to you does not dictate the outcomes of your life. Will it sometimes mess up your life? Yeah, it can. It absolutely can. Truth needs to be understood because there are outcomes when we don't live by truth. And it's very quiet in here. Is everybody okay with this? I I feel like maybe I've hit a nerve. Maybe like, you know, they were like, Dusty, I was hoping we were going to have a softball this morning. Can you just pitch them down the middle for me because I don't want to hit them? The way you're throwing them. You know what? I can't. i got to give you the truth. This is not condemnation. Because we're about to get into what condemnation is. But I want you to understand that God works out all things to the good of those who love him. Do you know that, that the good of those who love him means that I have relationship with him? It means that every single thing that he does... That when we're called according to his purpose, which is being in Christ Jesus, he's going to try to work it out for our good. As long as we don't get in his way. The only people that can stop God's goodness is us. You can have every circumstance happen to you. You can have every bad thing happen to you. I was in Lowe's the other day, and I hope this guy comes to church. But I was in Lowe's the other day, and this guy, he's in there and and he's bebopping bopping around, and, and I said, hey, I'm looking for these uh, N95 masks for my son because he's cutting grass and, you know, allergies and all that kind of stuff. And I'm talking to a Lowe's employee, and he goes, oh, it's over on aisle five. And this guy comes over there, and he grabs me, and he says, I don't want him to hear, but I think they're on aisle three. And I said, okay. So he grabs me, and he's running around, and he goes over to aisle three, and then he stops me, and he goes, are you saved? <laughs> and I go, yes, yes, I am. And he goes, good. He goes, you look like you're saved. And I was like, I didn't have a cross on. I didn't have anything on, but I was like, thank you. And he goes, I'm just going to tell you. He goes, I just, he goes, when the tornado come through um, Montevallo, it completely destroyed my house. And he, he pulls out his phone and he starts looking through pictures and he starts showing me all these pictures. And he's telling me about, you know, my head was here and this board went through my bed. And, I mean, he's going through all this stuff. And I'm like, man, you know, and he was like, God's so good. God's so good. And I said, well, is your house still messed up? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm sleeping in somebody's basement. You know, there's a lot of people that have said, I almost died. My house is destroyed. Now, this guy got a hold of, thank God that I'm alive. Thank God that I'm alive. And he was out there telling everybody, hey, I've got another chance to tell people about Jesus, and I'm going to do so. Well, just to let you know, on all three, there was no masks. He, he was like, he was like, I oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I said, Well, I'm gonna go try it on aisle five. And I'm talking to him, and he goes, I'm just gonna go with you. <laughs> so me and him bebop over to aisle five, and I find the mask, and I'm like, here, here they are, and I, they're way up there on top shelf, and I pulled them down, and he's just go, and he asked me a bunch of questions, and I told him I was the pastor of Identity Church, and he was like, Identity church, and you know, he's hey, we're gonna come by, we're gonna visit you, okay, that's good. But you know. This guy had found life in the midst of one of the worst experiences that he'd ever had. I want you to understand something. The man had a tornado rip his house in half and that's when he found life. Do you know that most of us have not even had one third of the things happen to us and we could be living life without having a natural disaster or without having something happen to us. See, the truth in God's Word will cause your life if you abide by His Word and you stay with His Word and you live in the truth and walk by the Spirit. You don't have to have something bad happen. See, circumstances doesn't have to dictate your life. You know what? That's what I really wish for my friend. I wish that my friend that had died of a cocaine overdose, I wish that he had listened to truth and not listened to other people. Because he'd still be alive today. But he couldn't get over his circumstance and let the truth be there. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go over here to the condemnation side of this because you need to understand something. Condemnation is not what you think it is. Condemnation is, so when we condemn someone, especially if we're seeing it in the flesh, we're trying to find something that they're doing wrong. I'm seeing an outward appearance issue. Oh, well, you smoked a cigarette. I saw you smoke a cigarette. You smoked a cigarette. Oh, you, you, you were drinking hard liquor right outside the church. I mean, whatever it is, that doesn't condemn you. It does not condemn you to have had sin in your life. See, you were already condemned before Jesus Christ. See, that's what I'm trying to get you to understand, is that everything that has not been put under the blood of Jesus has been condemned. Jesus Himself came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly so that we no longer have condemnation. There should be amens going on everywhere out here. Because you, if you've accepted Jesus, you no longer have condemnation. Now, I'm going to go back over to the truth side because if you're over here doing drugs or or doing something that you're not supposed to be doing, there's consequences for actions without a doubt. You can be completely saved. My friend, I know he was saved. I prayed with him. He was saved. He's in heaven right now. He's listening to me. And you know what? Truth is raining out in his life. Because I want you to understand that condemnation is not taking what's on the outside and saying, Your sin is unforgivable. See, that's what I see in the the church world a lot of times, is I see people who go and condemn people and go, well, you just completely and totally sinned in a way. Your sin is so much worse, and there's no way you're going to be able to go to heaven. That's one of the reasons why I don't like these people that go out there with these big picket signs that says you're going to hell because that is complete condemnation they didn't need to know that they that they were going to hell they already knew that they needed to know that there was love on the other side with jesus see i'm going to tell you what that if we elevate people's sin and make it worse than our own sins then we're condemning people When we should be telling them about Jesus and about what Jesus has done for them because they could have everlasting life. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All you have to do is just believe in Jesus and no longer is condemnation the only problem that you have in your life. You can actually go back to Jesus and go, am I condemned? And he's going to go, nope, not condemned. See, truth and love is not condemnation. It's life and growth. So I want you to understand out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14, it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunningness and craftiness of deceit plotting, but speak the truth, this agape love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from, the ho- from whom the whole body, jointed and knitted together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth by the body for the edifying Of itself in love. This word edifying means to lift up. It means that if you're part of the body of Christ, we should be lifting each other up. You know that the love of God that is in each and every single one of us, that it should be used to build fruit. Take off your own tree of love and give to someone else. That's what Jesus did for us. He chose us when we were unchoosable. You know what? I'm not, I'm not worried about being popular. Because there's a lot of people that's going to say, Hey, I don't want you to I don't hear your truth. If you're talking that Jesus stuff, I don't want to hear it. Well, I'm not looking for, for popularity. I'm looking to be able to give the truth to someone because if they will just believe it, then it will completely revolutionize their life in every single way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end with this, okay? This is my last little bit of the talk. I'm gonna let you go. Hopefully early. That's probably a lie. <clears throat> I know that I've been preaching hard today. How many people like a, a good hard preaching every once in a while, okay? Alright. Maybe that maybe I should go, maybe I should ask a different question. But I want you to understand that tough love is a good love. Tough love is a love that's going to last. Let me tell you why it's going to last. Because we see tough love happen every single time in the Bible where God loved people beyond their ability to love. So in Genesis chapter 4, we see, I I would say this is the first tough love that could ever be expressed in the Bible. So Genesis chapter 4 is when Cain and Abel... Uh, You know, Cain killed Abel, and he hid his body, and God is trying to find Abel. Verse 9 of Genesis chapter 4 says, Then then the Lord said, Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? So this was was actually... um, this would be like um, coarse language. If you go back and kind of read it in the Hebrew, the, the, basically Cain is, um, is sort of back-talking God. How many people you've done something wrong and mama comes and says, hey, did you take out the garbage? I'm going to do it later. Well, that's exactly what happened here was God came to Cain and he was asking him and the first thing that he said to him was, hey, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he's at. Go find him yourself. It says here in verse 10 and he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth. Okay, I want you to understand something. Most people pastors most believers this is the furthest that they ever get when it comes to Cain okay I've never heard anybody when you start talking about Cain and Abel in fact they've even made movies about how he was cursed and he had to walk the earth and how even to this day he walked the earth I think even Highlander the movie was even created based upon that idealism I don't know anyway The thing is, we fixate on verse 11 here. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth and received your brother's blood from his hand. Verse 12 says, When you're, when you, I'm sorry, verse 12, when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Do you know that when we cry for help to God, God will move heaven and earth to help us? And that's what we end up seeing here with Cain. Cain was not someone who was cursed as everybody thinks he was cursed. Cain was not a person that God hated. Cain was forgiven by God. So I want you to understand, Cain could not understand love. Like, he didn't even care about his brother. Like, there was no remorse in him about his brother. There was only, like, him being upset because God was going to take away his ability to be able to till the earth. Because that's what he did. He was a farmer. You know, his burden that he bared... The whole jealousy and envy and all the different things that that he had, that didn't change at this point. See, Cain is is reaching out to God not because he 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 was upset or he was remorseful. He was reaching out to God because he didn't know how to do anything else. And he was like, this is too much, God. I just don't understand. And you know, God is so good that God provides even when we don't understand. God will do, move heaven and earth in order to help us out. In fact, if we go down to verse 14, it says, surely you have driven me out these days, talking about Cain, from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me now this is this is amazing because Cain was basically saying hey I've got no protection because you're no longer gonna be around me you're no longer gonna protect me I see that my punishment is too great and it says here Therefore, God said in verse 15, And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain. Oh, this is the mark. This is that that bad mark that that is going to make Cain, oh, he's just, he's cursed from this point on. Right? I mean, that's that's what we've always heard is is that Cain got this mark and he's cursed from now on. Well, let's see what it says. It says... Least anyone should find him and should kill him. Wait a minute. You mean the mark wasn't a cursing mark? You mean the mark of Cain was to protect Cain? This is when y'all should be shocked. You're like, whoa. <laughs> See, what I want you to understand is that Cain could not protect himself. Cain was reaching out to God and God said, you know what? I am going to mark you, but I'm not going to curse you. I'm going to put my mark on you so that people say, don't touch him because he's mine. Oh, I got news for you guys. If that didn't just light your fire, I don't understand. I don't understand where you're at. Your wood's wet, right? Because this means that all we have to do is just reach out to God even when we don't understand, even when we're not remorseful and we just have to go, God, this is too much for me to bear. And God will move heaven and earth and He'll mark you for His own. And it says here in verse 16, Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch. Everybody knows who Enoch is, right? Right? Enoch was so into God, had such a great relationship that that God took him. Now, I'm going to tell you what, you just don't, that just doesn't happen, right? That means that Cain himself repented, had a relationship with God, and taught his kids to so reverence God in such a way that Enoch was the first person to be raptured. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Because I'm telling you, this man killed his brother, was going to be cursed, and all he said was, God, I don't understand why you're doing all this to me. This is too much for me to bear. And Cain said it. He was like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be killed. And God said, hey, I'm going to mark you for my own. God changed just like that and said, I'm going I'm to put my mark on you. And what happened was Enoch... Enoch came out of his lineage. He was the first man to be to be resur- to actually be um, raptured. Sorry. And, and then Enoch actually built a city and called it after Enoch. And it was a big place. He was blessed. See, I want you to understand that God marked Cain so he could show mercy and love to him. God marked Cain in order to be able to create opportunity for Cain to be somebody who had life. See, God's not looking at trying to find every sin that you ever had and trying to create ways of being able to punish you. No, He's trying to find ways of being able to bless you. He wants to create opportunities in your life that are so far beyond what you can ask or think. Amen. Amen. Tough love outlasts all of our problems and our sins. And I'm closing right here. So I want you to understand this one thing. If tough love makes you feel like, well, I, I just, I feel like that that's, you know, whenever I hear truth or whenever I hear, you know, somebody talk about sin or, or whatever, and that causes you some angst, understand truth and love overcome all you have to do is just look at God and just say God I don't understand show me you know that's what John chapter 15 said was that Jesus told his disciples he said I'm sending the Holy Spirit to teach you all things and to be your comforter when you're sitting there going hey I don't know what to do with this situation God God loves you so much that he'll create a way where there seems to be no way. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here and you say, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know that God is good. I don't know anything about God. But I'd like to know Him today. If that's you, I'd like for you to raise your hand. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you've said to yourself, you know what? There's been times in my life where I've needed truth above all other things. I just want you to know that the Holy Spirit is here to teach you all things I'm going to pray over us and then I'm going to send us out over the week. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just pray that the love of God, the agape kind of love, just flows out of each and every one of us That it is on the inside of us as a fruit of the Spirit that has been put on the inside of us. I pray, dear Heavenly Father, that the fruit that you have in us, that it is feeding people. I pray that you just bring people across each and every one of our paths so that we can give them this fruit. I just pray in Jesus' name that there are people that are going to be seeking us out so that they will know the love of God and that they'll know that God is not imputing their sins against them, but he has given Jesus Christ to give them everlasting life. Not that we were condemned by God or by Jesus, but that we were condemned before Jesus came. And that now that we have Jesus, that we can live this life and that we have total assurance of where we're at and where we're going to go. And I just thank you, dear Lord, for it. I just pray over each and every one of us that are here. I pray blessings on them. That you're just giving them more opportunities jobs the ability for them to be able to pay their bills i pray dear lord that that their economy is not the economy of the united states that if gas becomes hundred dollars a gallon that we'll still be able to pay our bills the father that you're going to supernaturally provide us that you supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus as you say in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. I thank you, dear Lord, that you are bringing about an economy in the body of Christ that outlasts the economy of the world. Father, I just pray over each and every one of them. I pray for the people that are in their lives. And I pray, dear Lord, they have a great week. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.